0: Dale. you can watch us on youtube you can like and comment on our youtube videos and subscribe to our youtube channel you can support us on anchor you can listen to us everywhere podcasts are found at 16 mm film crew podcast leave us a rate and review and visit us on our website at www16 mmfilmcrewcom so this week we watched she said 2022 here's your synopsis the new york times journalist. Megan Tui and Jodi Cantor publish a report that exposes sexual abuse allegations against powerful Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. The shocking story also serves as a launching pad for the Me Too movement, shattering decades of silence around the subject of sexual assault and harassment. This movie stars Carrie Mulligan, Zoe Kazan, Patricia Clarkson, and Ashley Judd, and it is directed by Maria Schrader. So Dale, tell us your thoughts on this film.
1: Um. Yeah, I. I don't know. I I have conflicting. It's not negative. Um, it's just. Um, I did love the movie. Uh, went beyond what I thought it was going to be. Um, covering a subject matter. Um, because we are dealing with the ramifications of not just Harvey Weinstein but the industry as lo- at large with these issues. Um, and I applaud the work of these women. And not just um megan and jody the original um authors who reported this um i also go applaud uh Carrie mulligan Zoe kazan patricia ashley judd you know being willing to not just um be one of the voices to put this issue out from harvey weinstein but also willing to you know re-involve herself in the subject matter and actually appear in this movie um same thing with Gwyneth Paltrow although she only voiced voiced herself in scenes um uh I applaud all of them every woman involved not just the women on the screen but the women behind the scenes who this is about to be willing to come forward and talk about these experiences because it's always it's always hard to be the first one to do something like this so yeah yeah
0: I'm surprised at how many people really like co-signed it, like people who were actually involved in the situation. Um, Not just Ashley Judd, but like you said, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, the women who actually gave their story. So they were played by different actresses, but they allowed their stories to be, um, you know, voiced by these actresses, be put in the script. Um, The woman who had that encounter with Harvey in the hallway where he was, he wasn't charged with um, harassment, or assault but um then i think there was a case in new york where they were opening it that entire that entire recording is the real life recording like that's not an actress dubbing it over like it's the legit recording from that night which is crazy so i think that's what i was most shocked by it was like how many true facts were like in this movie Because when I heard that the movie was coming out, I was like, oh, I don't know. It seems interesting because it's like, you know, a movie about Harvey Weinstein who was like Jesus to Hollywood, you know, for so many years. I was wondering how that was going to work. Like if they were actually going to, you know, go as deep as you would hope someone would go when they're talking about the seriousness of his actions and what that what he did and how that affected the industry and i was surprised but very delighted that they went as far as like getting ashley judd to perform as herself in this like they really did the work you can tell and i think that's what i found so interesting but i also liked a lot was that um just the information and how it was executed was so compelling like i was fully invested, even though I knew actresses were playing these roles and they were based on real women. Um, I was really invested in like everything that was happening. And I thought it was so fascinating just to see how like investigative journalism works um, with the scandal or with the story that I already knew pretty well, you know, as all of this stuff was coming up back in 2017. So that was really good.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, Amazing to see what this story because, um, of course, now we know it's, it's been numerous actresses who have come out and mentioned stuff. I mean, um, um not just Gwyneth, but also, um, uh, dang, why did my name go blank? Um, Angela Jolie has said she had encounters with him, and I love the fact that this movie decided to focus on the regular people. You know, it it gives it gives it gives more credence to it. It makes it more not to downplay what happened to all these all these wonderful actresses, but it, it makes it more personal, you know, in a way. Um, because you kind of I think as people we kind of do kind of don't treat celebrities as p as human beings, so it takes it it takes it more home. Like, oh, this girl is just working on set as like a PA, and this just and this stuff happens. And I love how the end of the movie it reverts to all the um. Throughout the movie, they kind of dot the portrayals of these all uh, women at, as their younger versions. I love how the movie kind of ends with the back to the younger portrayal of these of these women, kind of taking back the agency and exposing and and giving up giving giving themselves up to report on the story. They kind of regain that innocence in or a part of themselves in a way. Um, so I love the way those ra- arranged. I saw some reports about this movie. Some critics were complaining. Of it not being very well done as far as cinematic in nature, um, and I think it's hard because we're dealing with an event that we're still viewing the repercussions of. So it's, you're not going to put a a fully cinematic, you know, um, touch on it. Um, where because we all know the actual people involved, like we can still turn on our TV and the actors are there. It's not like when um they're comparing they're comparing it to like water- the Watergate scandal the reporters making that. Um is is different because here we're dealing with people we know and I don't view this movie for cinematic merit. I'd view this like the intention the how they were intentional with some of the shots. Like you mentioned before using um the actual recording of Harvey's voice in those scenes. To me this movie is more of a, a documentary than anything else.
0: Yeah, and the director directed another documentary called Unorthodox about um, a Jewish woman who leaves that community because of the abuse that was going on. So it actually makes a lot more sense that this has a more documentary feel to it than like a regular cinematic movie. And it's interesting because that was one of the things that I picked up on as well is like in terms of like film language, like how it actually looks, it wasn't as dynamic or compelling but when you think about some some of those films like you mentioned like the Watergate scandal like All the President's Men or The Post which are like these big dramatized you know um epic retellings of these scandals you had like maybe 20 plus years I think since All the President's Men came out from Watergate and then you had more than that, like more than 20 years when the post came out from when that happened back in the seventies or whatever. So it's like, yeah, you can completely dramatize something that you've had many, many years to kind of mull over with multiple, with so much, you know, information. Like you can make it a completely different thing. But as you are saying, we're still dealing with the repercussions of what he did. Like he still hasn't even been sentenced to another trial that was going on in LA yet like so it's like it doesn't need to be this dramatic epic thingy like it could just be like the merit of the facts and the information and how people how these women were able to get other women to go on record about this in a time where people were dismissing people women's stories completely like that is where the attention should be and i think it was a very smart decision to focus solely on their on those stories rather than trying to make this like epic cinematic feast for everyone it's like that's not what this is about and i feel like maybe doing that might have taken away from focusing on the
1: stories yeah you can you can clearly see it's intentional because when you're we're talking about me too i guess also, one of the reporters was like, is it too soon for a Me Too movement movie? I mean, prior to this, we also had The Assistant, which we both watched and talked about. Was mm-hmm. really about a person who was a PA in the industry dealing with her boss, you know, doing these kind of things? And then before this, you also had Bombshell, which is what they talked about in this movie, all the Bill O'Reilly stuff. with. And they kind of took a more, I guess, with that movie, a more dra- drama, dramatized version of it. Um, but I do think... When you're dealing with something they are there are there is space for different interpretations like the Academy assistant was more for a more of a fictionalized version the bombshell was kind of a more real but still highly dramatized version well this one they kind of kind of played it an even balance of yes there's going to be some especially when you're dealing with the actual reporters themselves and their individual individual lives, there probably was going to be a bit of, you know, dramatization a bit to it. But when you're dealing with the core subject matter, that was like, no, we have to stick to the facts and and give the authenticity and the truthfulness that this subject matter deserves.
0: Yeah, I think they did a great job with that because it is very serious. And I think maybe that was also a thing where it's like, people already don't take women's stories seriously. And also when this movie was coming out, it's we've had the, I guess, downfall of Me Too where people are like, oh, it's gone too far and blah, blah, blah. So you're talking about something that people already have like a distaste for. And it's about women who people mostly hate.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Just put it putting it plainly. But it's like, I think that, choosing to just have it be more matter of fact in terms of when they're discussing the cases and stuff. Like, that makes so much sense to me. And mm-hmm. if people don't like that, then well, I guess this is this not the movie for you. But I was fascinated by this because I was very in tune to like, what was going on as, in the, at the time. And I was still surprised by like all the stuff I didn't know. Like, they had a lot of really interesting things in there. Not only other women's stories, but also how these things work. Like, how these systems work in terms of the workplace where documents are being destroyed after three years and you can't... And human resources. Like, how they are trying to protect their employees, but they don't actually end up protecting them because they're really there to just protect the company. Like... And this really could happen in any workplace. I think that's the point. The point is is like, yes, we're talking about Harvey Weinstein, but like this can literally happen in your job. And I feel like they did a really good job at making that plain.
1: Yeah, what they what what they say, they said for a long time. Even the movie at the end also covers this like prior to this Harvey Weinstein stuff, like a lot of corporations or like on the corporate level, on the governmental level, on the national level look. Well, legal level they had to go back and kind of redo how they look at these harassment issues even the movie the movie kind of glasses glosses over it because of how rampant harvey was mostly dealing with women but the mention the woman the, the movie also mentioned there were other there were also men involved as well you know mm-hmm. and we kind of we kind of forget that it wasn't just it was both men and women i mean because i, I understand like women took the forefront because women are honestly, not really well protected by society as a whole, but it was a whole group of, like, we've just had the Golden Globes, Brendan Fraser refused to go, because the person at the time in at the head of the Golden Globes assaulted him, and he lost his career. And remember, Brendan Fraser, at the time of the 90s, he was on top there. He was, like, he was about to come up, you you know, Brad Pitt, we'll talk about later, but Matt Damon, all of them, he was coming up on that level, and then all of a sudden no more projects out of nowhere because of him speaking out against being assaulted. So, you know, it's just, Mm. you know, just how, how far this, this, this issue goes and still goes to this day, you know, and it's not just, it's not just, it is, it's in the movie hit on it. um, What was his name? Um, Erwin Richter. Mm. he after during the trial he put an opted this stuff continues because men like me maintained their silence mm-hmm. and that's really that's that's disheartening oh and and it goes deeper than that because when you think about this movie you know brad pitt is executive producer mm. two women you were involved with you you your your girlfriend at the time Gwyneth paltrow had a wine seat issue you know it might not have worked with miramax and stuff like that but you didn't speak out against him for you know, you know, she can't use her voice. You could you be that voice for her, you didn't really do that. And then Angela Jolie talks about how she had issues with Harvey as well, but you still get your movies optioned and picked up by to be distributed by, you know, Weinstein group, you know, Inglorious Passes was really was distributed. Like, if I'm Brad Pitt and I'm I'm, you know, listed as a producer on there, even you know, though tar- it's a the movie, I'm like, yeah, he's not putting out this movie like you still were in in the process you still even though it didn't it, it didn't affect him personally because this is two women he was with he was still involved in that cycle of silence you know and it just goes out to say to say like every every guy every person needs to speak up and use their voice when when these situations arise and i thought it was really telling that you know he harvey was always willing to say i swear on my wife i swear on my kids like we, we use those weakest in our lives to somehow give us moral clout to defend ourselves when we do ridiculous things. And, and men do this across the board. Like, I can think about the times, like, I'm still a work in progress. There are times like, I've done stupid stuff and I was like, yo, I swear on blah, 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 I ain't do that shit. Knowing damn well that I, I did that shit. So, it's, yeah, I think as a whole, like, men need to, we need, need to do better when it comes with these topics.
0: Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Cause when I saw that he was a producer on this, I said, really, that's interesting. Um, because I do know when the Gwyneth Paltrow stuff went down, he did confront Harvey and actually they had an altercation about it. Um, but he, like you said, continued to work with him, if not directly through Quentin Tarantino and others, you know, getting those films picked up by his company and, So maybe this is, I don't know, a reckoning for him. Maybe he's trying to pay penance for those things. I'm not sure. But um, we don't know. But this because it is interesting that he's producing this film. I find that very interesting. Um, But I will say that, you know, I think just societally, there is... I I was watching, what was I watching? Spotlight. and one of the characters were saying that, um, you know, when a lot of times we, we spend so much time wandering out in the dark, and then when we turn on the lights, there's so much blame to go around. And I feel like that's very true in the situation where it's like, everyone, you know what I'm saying? Like everyone was a part of this, a part of keeping Harvey at the top, a part of silencing women, even women. And I think that's what's so disheartening because it's like, Everyone kind of knew, like, even if they didn't know all the details, everyone kind of knew what was going on. And when I see someone like Meryl Streep, who, like, I adore on stage thanking Harvey and saying he's so amazing and, like, she loves him so much and he's God and blah, blah, blah. Like, that is distressing. (laughs) Like, that's extremely distressing. You know what I'm saying? Like, that hurts. Like, that hurts me personally. So when you just think about that and then imagine being one of these women who like, they're seeing the stuff on TV and they're like, okay, well then my experience, my trauma, like it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. look at what's happening. Like he's still being lauded, he's still being praised. Obviously what I went through doesn't matter. So when you have someone from the New York Times calling you and saying like, yeah, we want you to talk about your story. It does sound so unreal. Cause it's just like, you think that your experience was like nothing because this guy is still at the top and you're still struggling with it. And, um, and yeah, so it's just, it's very, it's a very interesting uh, situation because there is so many people who like played into keeping him central and so many people who played into keeping a lot of these types of folks in power, like, and we're still unraveling it to this day. Like I think of someone, what's his name? who did the Avengers um, and Watch Buffy. Meetings. Yeah. Yeah. All the mess that he was doing and stuff and like still getting work. And we're just yeah. now like, you know, unpicking all that stuff. Like it just goes to show you like, this is a systematic issue where we all have to step up, you
1: know? And, and, and the, and the racial element to it is not lost to me at all. Mm. Um, because you see, like we still see a playoffs day, you know, the um the Stallion toy line stuff. But then look back at this, uh the R. Kelly stuff was happening at the same time Harvey Weinstein stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. But the difference on how the R. Kelly stuff was reported, everybody was willing to say everybody involved with R. Kelly knew and they should be held accountable as well. Like when it was a like not to say what put either one as worse or was bad. Both what Harvey Weinstein, both what R. Kelly did, both every, the, with um, uh, Bill Cosby, what all three of them did, extremely fucked up, irreprehensible. They should bury them underneath the prisons they're in right now. But, the fact that everybody, like, left, white, black, you know, white, Asian, you know, Hispanic, everybody was willing to say, oh, everybody involved with R. Kelly needs to be held accountable. But when it comes to like Harvey Weinstein, it's just oh, Harvey needs to just take all the blame. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're 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 willing to say oh, Harvey's an isolated incident, but with R. Kelly, it was this whole system. You know, everybody involved, him in needs to be held accountable, which I I don't think is fair because just as just as how we're gonna mention everybody involved with R. Kelly and everybody involved with um uh Bill Cosby, who silenced these women's for it for decades, like bill cosby's with stuff that's going back to like the 60s you know the same thing should happen to everybody involved with harvey wine Should studio executives chief financial officers who are signing off on these hush payments crooked law- crooked lawyers a- the irreprehensible hr policies everybody in the organization who was at the organization at the time of all these should be held accountable as well
0: yeah i agree and that's funny because this show probably working <laughs> Yeah, in Hollywood, and it's like okay, or cool,
1: and enjoying their golden parachutes for quietly leaving the company amidst amid allegations of this, of their stupidity. So
0: right, right, and it's just like wow, okay, that's what we're doing, cool. <laughs> but yeah, it was honestly it was hard to watch this movie because they go into de- they go into all the details of like what happened when and just hearing all that stuff was just so bone chilling. Like it's really disconcerting to hear what was happening. And like it's sad because some people were able to like get away with it. Like or what I mean some people were able to kind of um dodge him. Like when I think about someone like Jennifer Lawrence who worked closely with him but because she was so like robust in like her personality um I don't think he tried anything with her right I think there were certain people like because he's a predator so he can sniff out people who are weaker and I'm not and I don't want to say weaker because that doesn't sound right but just people who don't who seem unassuming um like there were women who were able to like not have to deal with it when I think about when his assistant Zelda who Um, He, I think the assistant, the assistant was based off of her story, where it's like, he said that someone told her that he wasn't interested in her. And somehow that was able, that led her to be able to actually do her job and Mm. not like be assaulted, which is freaking crazy. But then there were other people who were like thinking that they were legitimately getting a meeting. Like they were actually really excited about meeting with him because they thought it was going to help their career. And he used them. And then when they didn't go along with what he wanted, their career was over. Like they didn't even get to start, which is again, insane. And so you think about like, okay, well, my whole career, everything I've ever wanted is resting on one person's shoulders. Like, what do you do in that situation? What do you do when you're trapped in a hotel room with this huge man who is so powerful? Like you have no, like that is, To me, that is so, that's like a nightmare. Like that's so scary. Cause it's like, how do you even get out of there? First of all, like, that's just, it's just so messed up. So to hear all of the details about like everything that happened during those encounters, that was, that was a hard watch. It was hard to hear all that stuff. Even knowing it, it was still hard hearing it again. It was just like, ooh, I feel terrible for those women.
1: the lawyer well they said that his lawyer when he said something about that there's a difference in mental um mental something and physical mental coherent co and physical mm-hmm. cohesion coercion and what harvey weinstein it's literally both of them because even i'm a i'm a big dude but harvey is also like i look at harvey like harvey was like what six four and harvey is also harvey was a big dude yeah so that's still physically opposing and then you add the pack that he's Harvey Weinstein, I've, he's won Oscars, he's won, you know, he's won, you know, gold. Well, he's that dude in the industry, that's, that's both mentally imposing and physically imposing that I could do to somebody, um, and I also think it also goes to probably, um, the, the generation of actresses, he was, um, very predatory to like i think there's also a generational difference between um like how we you know with our parents and probably some of our like older cousins other siblings how we react and how we respond to stuff like we're very vocal compared, mm-hmm. to, compared to them so i think it's also telling that as like the times change a lot of his victims who were celebrities are the older vanguard of hollywood actors who really couldn't be open who those group of people who are like, oh, I'm a woman, I can't, you know, X, Y, and Z. And he did it, like, if you look, there are no young actresses he messed with. Like, because I think we're more like, oh, I'm not going to take this shit. I'm am I'm mm. going to take it down. And so I think that's when his attention shifted more to maintain focus mostly on all the production assistants. Because it's it was less actresses as time went on, and it became more of the people behind the scenes. So that was also him understanding the power he had and how the dynamics slowly were shifting. It's like, oh, I can't evolve myself with actresses, but these people who depend on me for a living behind the scenes, I can, I can prey on them. So he he knew damn well what he was doing. So
0: right, mm-hmm. and yeah, of course he did because they had to sign a lot of women had to sign NDAs, and that's just yeah, it was just like the tip of the iceberg of having, again, lawyers and people of those kinds who are co-signing the behavior, who are like in the room saying, you can't even have the documentation of this. You can't go to therapy for this. Like that blew my mind where it's like, you already ruined my life. And now you're telling me that I can't even go see a medical Person for this, like a, med- a medical professional, because I need help dealing with the things that you did to me. Are you kidding? Like that. I don't know if it, I don't know what I would do in a situation, but a part of me is like, I would just fight this dude. Like, I would hire some people and be like, take them out because <laughs> I can't. Like, that's just, it's not even just predatory behavior, it's like complete control over someone's life. Yeah. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Like, I can't, that's why I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to revel in anyone's downfall, but also another part of me is like, I'm happy he's going down happy because boy. like, yeah. <laughs> like what? Crazy. And then had the nerve to show up to the New York Times office yelling, roaring about stuff like, get out of here, boy. I can't believe that happened. Like,
1: I, you're wrong. I-
0: you're just wrong.
1: And that's I think that was probably one of my favorite scenes in this movie, that portrayal um uh the act the actor who well the actor who did his voice, who impressioned his voice um for so well, I yeah. love the scene of um of um uh Carrie Mulligan. She's just looking at him as he's ranting and raving. And it's one of those scenes where you don't need dialogue from the from the main focal point. Like she's the camera's focused on her, and she's just looking at at Harvey's character, at the actor who's playing Harvey, and you see that look. Where it's this is one of those things where I say I love like uh, those those scenes where you just the actor just expresses, and you can perfectly tell what you're th- they're thinking. In that scene, all I can see is like the wheels in her head. Like this little man is just ranting and raving and fighting. Like a like a like a temper tantrum, like a petulant child because he knows he's in trouble, and it just slowly just like he's just getting louder, and like the other voices start crossing, but you can still hear him clearly, and it just slowly zooms on her. Like that whole that scene was like the the culmination of this is just Harvey was his petulant child who was yelling and raving to avoid uh being caught and being held accountable.
0: Yeah. And I think I watched a documentary where it kind of talks about him and his life. And basically he felt very insecure and like uncared about, undesired for most of his life. And then he gets into this position where he has power over people's careers. And that just took it to another level. Like he was having conversations with women who he probably would never be able to talk to otherwise. And I think something... I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist, but I think something went off in his brain where he was like, I can just use this to my benefit and do whatever I want now because I'm untouchable.
1: Is one of those I deserve it kind of situations. I'm owed. Yeah.
0: It's always that. It's always that. And I think that's actually the core of a lot of reasons why I, I don't wanna again, not a psychiatrist, but why a lot of men act out in violence against women but against anyone really whether it's abusing an actress or shooting up a grocery store it's like this feeling of being owed something in life and like you're deserving of whatever and other people aren't and I think that's the reason why so many men are in crisis and we have to deal with that issue Because yes, Harvey is terrible and R. Kelly is terrible and all these other dudes are horrible, but we still have to get to the root issue of like, okay, why do men act out in this way? Um, Because if we don't get to that, then these things are going to continue to happen. And punishment is punishment, but it still doesn't deal with the cause, the root cause. Mm -hmm. What is going on here? So. I'm waiting to see a movie about that. Actually, yeah. I wonder if someone's gonna make that. Dale, you should make that.
1: Oh no. Nah. <laughs> well, also, because I I know how I, how I am. How once I start doing stuff, I get very introspective. I would probably reveal yeah. a lot of stuff that I would be really uncomfortable like realizing about myself. But mm-hmm. but that's growth. So maybe mm-hmm. one day. But you saying that made me remember, made me laugh as you were talking about that topic because that. It brought me back to um as bad as the movie was, mm-hmm. uh, White Noise, where um uh, uh Gre- Greta Gerwig is talking to um to uh, what's his face um Adam Adam Driver yeah Adam Driver yeah. after she closed- that she had an affair and she's mm-hmm. like what are you gonna like he's like I don't know what I gotta do I need to leave probably could go to a hotel and he's like well, what hotel was that and she's like I'm not gonna tell you because I know how men are and how they get violent sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. And he was
1: like, Oh, but not me. I'm I'm soft. I'm you know, this I wouldn't even hurt a butterfly. She was like, Yeah, but men can be violent. And next thing you know, he chases he chases <laughs> the guy down and tries to shoot yeah. him. Yep, yeah, that's that's true. Honestly, every every and I wouldn't say it's just men, I think everybody, man or woman, has a propensity for whatever they're putting in certain situations for violence. So but yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you had more to use. <laughs> no, that was it. I, I was just saying I was, saying I was saying that everybody has like I don't there is not I don't think there's like a certain identifier for like there are probably some like childhood things that hit us that dwell us to make us act upon those impulses a lot more, but I think across the spectrum everybody has the you know the capability to be violent. Like look at uh Krishan and Blueface. They're both very toxic and violent to each other, so you know, so yeah.
0: Who are those people?
1: Oh, see, you got, know, you got. I need to get a little. I need to spend a little. Look, I only know about them through Twitter osmosis. I guess Blueface is a rapper, rapper, and Chris Shaw oh. is his girlfriend, but they're both like violent with each other. So, oh, okay. yeah, I was like, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: yes, and I agree. Everyone has that thing in them where put in the wrong circumstances, something can happen. But I think just because we live in a patriarchal society, I think there are demands that are made on men specifically that uh-huh. makes them, you know, I think it Don't makes think. them unable to express things in a way that women do. I feel like women, because we're allowed to like talk or whatever, or, we have, yeah. or we're have, or we allowed to have communities and stuff um, where that's normal, it's easier to share your emotions and your traumas and blah, blah, blah. I think for men because of the structure, it was always more difficult for them to feel like they had someone to talk to, feel like they had someone to reach out and get help for or with themselves. And so that's what I mean by like
1: No, I get you. It's the
0: specific
1: in what we The um the same system that enables men to be feel like they're owed things or the same patriarchal system it is also the same system that coddles men when they act out on violent impulses. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But beyond that, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, Me Too movement and all um, Harvey and uh. Well, this this movie is one of the going to be one of those movies that cr- like reinvigorates those conversations. Um, which I do think as a society these. Questions are, um, need to be had. Um, and there was, I think, there was one particular thing that stuck out to me. Um, it was when a reporter mentioned, um, Is it necessary for a Me Too movement so soon? And I hate comments like that whenever it's dealing with affected and victimized people, mm-hmm. no matter who you are. You could be like the poorest, you know, not to be director, but the poorest. Or a white person or whatever you could be the like black person living in whatever hood you could be a woman who was victimized you could a child who's you know being abused at home i don't like whenever it's somebody dealing with these personal difficult problems that are on a societal level that there's always somebody saying oh not right now we'll talk about it later because mm-hmm. if you don't talk about it now, you're never going to talk about these issues. So I'm always applauding whenever projects and movies like this are always out because it always forces those issues to the forefront and it forces everybody to talk about them because like like with this and like I said earlier, like this project, we're talking about Harvey, we're talking about all, all that, but we're also talking about all the societal problems that have that circle around that issue so these these projects are are like my favorite thing. I think art, like this is the perfect example of art influencing culture and dialogue. And that's, and expressing those, things. because I said art, art is usually for protests, for expressing your feelings. And I think these these projects like these are the perfect encapsulation of what the medium is supposed to do as far as pushing topics and issues in society forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think it's interesting that, you know, when the journalists investigated this they had no idea what it would do um i think megan was the one who investigated donald trump before he became president during all his stuff and he still became president and i think it was interesting and a good choice to start with that as the beginning of the movie because you can see like there's this dilemma of like okay even if i report this will it matter Yeah, which goes back to what you're saying about art having impact on culture on society and Although, I mean, I think journalism is a form of art, so I'll say that. Yeah, it is. And so for this, it was interesting, like, they had no real idea, like, if this would actually change anything. And it did. Like, it blew the doors wide open, open on situations and conversations that were happening for decades. And I think that's really good. And I think that's so important to talk about as well. Like, you... As much as some of these journalistic outlets are a little, not a little, sometimes very biased, sometimes they don't think critically, sometimes they don't do good journalism, but I do think that you still need these institutions because we have to have some branch of society that says, you know, that can check, you know, what's going on in the real world so that people who aren't famous, who don't have platforms, are still able to have some type of justice. And I think that's really important. And um, what was I going to say? Yeah, and I think it's interesting as well that this movie isn't being talked about a lot in terms of awards and all the other stuff. But a movie like Women Talking, which is dealing with the same subject matter about abuse, is. And I think we talked about it a little bit last week where it's just like, well, maybe it's just because of who they're talking about in this movie and the system of Hollywood and maybe Hollywood doesn't want to still have the conversation. Maybe they're over it and they've moved on, but this is still happening like to this day. So it is interesting like the the quiet and the silence speaks volumes when we're not discussing this movie in the way that other films are being discussed. I think that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, Hollywood is good at patting itself on the back for the good things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, we've seen this past award season. You know, hey, you know, critically, you know, Babylon didn't do good, but we're going to nominate all the actors involved for, in this project for awards. So it's, it'll pat, pat itself on the back when it's honoring its history, but the ugly truth in the present, they don't want to, you know, admit that. Like, it took people, you know, even with, you know, last, last Oscars with um, Will Smith, took people decades to find out what happened to um, Cheyenne Lightfoot you know, with uh, Marlon, Mar- speaking for Marlon Brando, you know, you have Hattie McDaniels, whose Oscar award was misplaced. The Academy still hasn't, you know, you're the first black person to win one, you know, it's been misplaced, let's, you know, let's give you a new one. No, if you go to the Oscars museum, her, her display is still empty. Like Hollywood doesn't like to admit its ugliness, but it will always be the first one to say, yeah, remember that good thing we did like 20 years ago? That was us. Like that movie's amazing about what we did. Let's give it all the awards. Oh, this movie by the ugly truth, let's not, you know, mention it. Like like this movie, like if you look Carrie Mulligan and Zoika Kazan, as actors, they're if you look at the smaller festivals, they're getting nominated for their performances. And that's it. So mm. and maybe yeah. some some places they have it for best uh screenplay. But other for but other than that Quiet. So,
0: yeah. Well, I thought this movie was really great, and I'm happy that so many women were a part of it, behind and in front of the camera. And I hope everyone goes to see it now that it's on Peacock. I feel like it's really good because it's more accessible for more people, and I hope that a lot of people see it because, yeah, it's about Harvey Weinstein, but it's really about like sexual harassment and assault overall. Um, And I think that that's still something that needs to be discussed. Even if however you feel about Me Too and Time's Up, there are still real issues that are affecting real people, so I definitely encourage everyone to give this a watch.
1: Yeah, Me Too, same, everybody. Regardless of what you know, what award buzzes have, this movie still is one that needs to be watched across the board. So, yeah. Yeah, so moving on from that um some you know box office you know i guess i mean box office nowadays isn't really surprising i mean of course the runaway i don't even know what to call it runaway horse runaway train uh the runaway blue person of course is um um avatar way of water i don't know why i had like a massive brain fog a while ago but avatar? yeah avatar yeah avatar <laughs> the way of water um weekend. can kinda of got like thirty one million um rapidly on its way toward making um his predicted three million. I think is now sitting almost at two billion right now. Um so yeah, like once again, no one's gonna no one will ever disrespect um James Cameron when it comes about his movie takes what he could possibly make. Um and also extending the fact that it's also an extra long weekend because, as of recording, of course, it's MLK weekend. So your box office kind of puts those those holiday weekends to extend as part of their weekend box of numbers. Um, so looking forward into the Tuesday morning ish, uh, predicted numbers so far. Car this is the box right now. A number ten is called it's Walter VR's debut movie, um, Indian pick, just like RRR. Um, and number nine you have Whitney Houston. I wanna dance with somebody the whale at eight uh black Panther prophet wakanda forever at seven house party at six plane on um, the new uh gerard butler michael collier picture or of course gerard butler you know plays a guy who must save everybody he plays the same character every movie now um that's at five uh man called auto starring tom hanks is positioned at four uh puss in boots last wish is at three um, Megan in its second week has maintained a second spot. And of course, Avatar Way of Water, number one, with the predicted gross, once all the numbers come in counting today, should be around domestically for the weekend, about $40.6 uh, million. Dollars. So yeah. Never bet really? a, a million, $40.6 for the for the weekend.
0: Oh, um, for the total. weekend,
1: okay. Yeah, counting because, you know, holiday weekend, Monday, So if you just look at I thought you meant overall. Yeah, no. If you actually look at um Monday through not Monday, Friday through um Sunday, it made about thirty thirty one million. So they're predicting about probably the this Monday probably would it's going to make about an extra nine ish. So yeah, never bet against James Cameron, no matter how unimpressive or uninspired you are to watch Avatar. So
0: OK, so in, a new, in other news that kind of rocked Hollywood, Lisa Marie Presley um, has died at 54. She is the daughter of Elvis Presley and the first wife of Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah, that is true. OK, um, she died at the West Hills Hospital and Medical Center after an episode of cardiac arrest early in the day at her home in Calabasas, California. And um, her mother, Priscilla Presley, released a statement. I think it was crazy because it was like she was just at the Golden Globes two days before that with um, Austin Butler and Baz Luhrmann for Elvis. Mm -hmm. Obviously, she was a contributor to that film. She got to know Baz and Austin and I guess all the rest of the cast really well so they're taking it pretty hard as well this was really shocking to me because um she is she was so young and also she had lost her son i think a few years ago so just imagining like that level of loss is really crazy but yeah that was really shocking to me because i know well if most people our age which i think probably would know who Lisa marie presley is but if you don't know her you know her daughter riley kina who was an actress she was in zola like she was in a whole bunch of other things so yeah it was that was wild to hear i couldn't
1: believe that yeah it was it was really shocking to hear because i was like didn't didn't she was just there watching austin win an award for her his portrayal as her father so it's it's kind of like it's the highest the highs and lowest of lows. Like mm-hmm. right after, and those moments always kind of feel the worst for people in general. Um, and so it's not obviously, you know, you're thinking about, you know, Priscilla, you know, you know, after you know, celebrating an event, celebrating her husband kind of through osmosis, you know, has to focus on, you know, her bearing her daughter. Um, and Lisa Marie was their only child, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's hard to, you know. Priscilla Presley knows uh, that she's dealing with a lot of the stuff she's dealt with personally as well. Um, so, yeah. Um. So, of course, it's award season. Um, Critics' Choice Awards happened a few days ago. Everybody was looking nice, glammed up on CW. Of course, we have seen pictures. The runaway, I guess, actress of the award season on the red carpet has, has kind of been, um, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, runaway actress would be... Um, wow. I have massive brain fog. What's going on? Janelle Monáe. Oh. Janelle Monáe has, been, like, the talk of the red carpet this award season with her, with her looks. Um, mm. But, of course, uh, the big draw, the big attention grabber, you know, was everything everywhere at once that led 14 nominations. You know, Spielberg's *Fablemans* had 11 of Babylon in of Inner and had like nine, Car and Elvis had seven. You know, Abbott and Elementary and Better Call Saul both had six and five, leaving the pack for the TV um group. Uh, but the big winner of, of the night was Everything Everywhere Once. Kinda it's kind of really shook up people's expectations for the award season. That's far not the award season, but for the Oscars. Because you know, we tend to look at these Award shows, they all kind of lead up to the Oscars, even to the point that the Grammys, because Grammys do have a soundtrack category. You know, that's kind of the precursor to who's going to win, you know, that award at the Grammys or even the Tony's. You know, those two kind of musical awards kind of do play a factor in the Oscars. So it's going to see interesting how this kind of shakes up the Oscar predictions for Best Picture, because I think Everything Everywhere Once was an unexpected to win across the board from everybody.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see what this does. Critics was kind of different than I think everyone was ever well, everyone was expecting. I'm I can't speak for everyone, but from what I've been hearing, um, it was. And what I've heard, and also what who ended up winning that night yesterday, it seems very like um, unexpected. I guess that's the word. Yeah, just like it kind of shakes up everything um because i think one i think the main movie or two movies that were really put at the forefront early on was the banshees of inner and the fablemans but i am excited about what this win means because if everything everywhere all at once ends up taking best picture at the BAFTA, the SAG, then it's going for the Oscar. Like she's going for the Oscar. And I love that for her because, regardless of how I feel about the movie, I still think it's a really important film because they did like a Marvel movie on an A24 budget. Like it, so like it was a really cool thing to see. And it's in, like mostly Asian cast. So that would be really cool to see it when at the Oscar. I mean, that's what I'm hoping happens. So. Yeah, of course. Just Everybody. to be in the conversation,
1: you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it is funny because you only think of when it comes about these all, you know, Asian-led casts tends to be you know Korea or China or Japan in the foreign film category. Mm-hmm. It's never it's never you know a non-foreign language picture that takes up. I even think the last time all Asian casts was up for Best Picture, I think, or not even, but yeah, for Best Picture parasite also been no i'm talking about domestic
0: oh here right Mm -hmm. would have
1: been i'm not sure if it was crouching tiger hidden dragon if they viewed that as non-english or domestic i'm not sure but i think that was probably the last time i think an english language-esque asian all asian cast was kind of up there Mm -hmm. um but then you also got everybody's favorite aunt you know angela bassett continues to like oh, Get the support of
0: oh i i know I, she's coming for the oscar and i can't for the oscar. wait she's, she's witnessed
1: she, that moment she's been due an oscar for a deal she's long, a luxurious been career. due
0: her oscar
1: mm-hmm. she's been due let's be honest if angela bassett honestly is up there with like meryl street and the rest of them yes of course you know being black actors and lead black actresses they don't we're not respect or regard in the same way because the projects we end up doing but Angela Bassett from like is up there you know in that category yeah
0: and, and it's it also, yeah yeah. go ahead what were you saying
1: uh, I was also saying that it also goes to Marvel to stop putting every project up there for all these awards because it's the one person who did not play a superhero is sleeping her category so yeah
0: yeah They're going to do it, though. (laughs) They're going to continue to do it because they are um, annoying. (sighs) But um, I was just saying, like, it's so interesting because when it comes to Black artists, and I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, like, you only get, like, one or two people who get to be, who get to have a seat at the table, if you know what I mean. Like, and Viola Davis and Denzel Washington are those two folks. (laughs) Like, those are the two people who everyone kind of just give them their seat, but for everyone else, like they don't really get much space to do anything. I think it's kind of incredible what Zendaya is doing, really, because she is once she's young, but two, she is able to like beat out all these other people in this in this category of best actors for drama on a on a TV series, and they don't really ever give anything to young people ever, so mm-hmm. especially not people of color. So. <laughs> that's kind of amazing but in terms of like having you know these roster of black superstars you only get like two or three so I'm happy that Angela Bassett's having her moment right now because I feel like she was always on that level with Viola Davis and everyone else but they just like over they just didn't look at her like they completely overlooked her so I'm very happy for what this means I feel like we're getting close and I can't wait yeah can't wait
1: and I think the issues with black talent not being viewed in the same lens as our um, white compatriots in Hollywood has led to a movement of a lot of amazing black actors and stuff like that to take up the mantle. like, if you're not gonna do this project for me, I'm gonna do it. Like, we Kiki Palmer the other day is like, yeah, I'm gonna start my own production company. Like I I spent my whole like life in front of the camera and not getting my proper due, like, I'm only regarded as who I am within the Black community. I've been on Broadway, but people don't really know that I've been on Broadway. So, you know what? Fine, start my own production company. So that's like I love this generation of Black talent coming to Hollywood. Like, look, y'all don't give me are if you guys aren't gonna give me the opportunity, I'm going to create it myself. And yeah,
0: love that. Love our generation. We are amazing <laughs> because yeah. of things like that. Like exactly, and,
1: and and saying that it's not a discredit like Angela Bash's generation, but because. They put so much heart and soul and effort into this industry to make just for us to have the opportunity to create our own lane. Yeah, that's um, true. So, so yeah, it's like it—it's just building, building on their backs that we're able to succeed. Like we still might not get the regard and the claim like both generations, but their struggle of opening that door just a little bit is what's created us to you know make our own opportunities. So yeah,
0: yeah. and hopefully for the next generation, it'll be easier for them to come through.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: all right so let's talk about what we watched dale talk to us
1: man i of course i've mentioned like how i like this growing change i guess in video game movies i guess to a way um i watched the first episode this weekend of um the last of us show um uh, yeah it's it's <laughs> I I I really enjoyed. It. This is not even. A, I'm not even a person who I'm familiar with the game through osmosis. I never really played the game. Mm. Um, but I do love Kata Cal. Kalb- I love when science fiction, or not even science fiction, but entertainment, imbues a little bit of realistic science. Like they were talking about how there's a fungus. I've I've known about this, but the fungus that can enter animals and insects, particularly ants, and still control their bodies and take over their brain in a way. I loved how they added that real-world element. Like, yeah, no, this is actually scientifically possible in the real world to tell their whole zombie, you know, apocalypse story. Because a lot of times with like, zombie apocalypse stories this kind of just happens. Like, no, you know, we're going to add real science to it. Um, of course, you got to talk about um, uh, Diego Pascal. Hopefully I'm saying the proper name right. I'm Probably not, but because you is know, that- I put your names. Pedro, yeah, Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's on a roll with these this lone wolf and cub, Kurosaga. Yeah, Kurosawa yeah. S. like he's the grizzled old man who takes care of the child. That's his that's his lane now. Like mm-hmm. he's like the perfect action star in the eighties, just to eat up all those roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have an issue though with, uh, is it is it Nikki Parker? Is News' daughter who plays Sarah? Oh, Nico. Beginning. Nico, wait! I was don't tell like, us
0: too much because I haven't watched it yet. I'm watching it this week.
1: Okay, but there is a scene because if you know how black people are in these situations, there is gonna be a scene. Where you're like come on, girl, you black, you know better, and you'll know it. And I felt that was kind of weird as you know, a black actress or actor. Like, like what? I'm like, yo, you black? Why are you reacting that way? Leave. Leave, and it got me so pissed off. Yeah, who You'll wrote see... it? <laughs> if it was a white person, so... <laughs> then. So yeah, you know, like, let's be honest. In in scary situations for black people, we we don't act like white people. The moment, mm-hmm. no matter where you go, where you live, the moment you hear like a, anything that sounds like a gunshot, you you like, yo, where that coming from? So you can go mm-hmm. the direction. Like any kind of thing where you hear like the house could be dead empty, and you hear something was dropped. You. That fight, to fight kicks in, you know. So, yeah, that's the only thing I feel kind of iffy about it. But that was like the opening sequence of the mo- the show. But other than that, it's a good, a good project. But yeah, he's like yeah. eating up those like old man and child roles. Like, and it's funny because uh, Disney and Marvel, at Disney gave him permission to, like do the do the project because they're like, yo, it's kind of the same thing you're doing a Mandalorian, hmm. and they're like, no, what, Fine, do the project. Ever paid a project, so I guess now he's like the highest paid actor on television. Because I think he was making six billion for Last of Us. Million, so, million. That's what I've read. What I think six it's, million, it's
0: million, not billion.
1: Million, million. Why is he on billions? Are you mad that you missed out on? You said the
0: billions.
1: I said million. I, I said million. million.
0: I said billions.
1: Maybe I'm I'm subconsciously mad that I missed out on the Mega Millions (laughs) because that thing was like after taxes and joy was like almost five hundred five hundred million dollars. So you know, but um, but, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Can't wait to continue watching it. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Everyone's all the reactions have been super positive, so I can't wait to watch it. Um, I'm gonna watch it with a friend. So. Cause I the zombie stuff really scared me. Like I had to stop watching The Walking Dead after a while because it was like it was getting a little too real. Anyway, um, yes. So what did I watch? I didn't watch any show or movie, but I did watch a what was it four part series that were like an hour to two hour each. So I basically watched like four movies. Um, by this content creator called prime of grammar who did an mcu retrospective and i don't know why i was just like bored and i was like what's going on on youtube let's see and i saw that and it was just really captivating so i just kept watching like hours and hours of it which takes you from like i think it starts yeah it starts with not all the way back like Blade and stuff, but it starts more with the Incredible Hulk, I think. Yeah, I think that's where it starts, and then it takes you all the way to about 2021. So before we get, um, Moon Knight and all those other shows, so I think it stops at like Loki, WandaVision Loki, one of those. Uh, Captain America: so The
1: take, So it kind of starts to guess around it's yeah eric banner hulk spot toby maguire Man. that those two movies
0: yeah and then it and then it goes and then it goes to 2021 so it's a lot to cover but it was really interesting just to see in terms of like marketing how these movies were marketed and how much like attention went into really hyping these films up and how the building or the creation of the MCU really hinged on like how good that last movie was. So everything seemed like a risk in the beginning. Like they didn't know if certain things were gonna work. One of the biggest risks they took, according to this gentleman who put the video together was Guardians of the Galaxy. And since that paid off so well, they were able to continue to build. And I think another risk they took was Captain marvel and like they covered all the sony stuff with spider-man so it was just really interesting to see all the stuff that i knew from like 2017 onward like on around when we started our podcast when i actually was like getting into the the business of hollywood of what was going on um but all the stuff that i didn't know from like back in the day how all of these things were kind of coming together and how important Comic-Con was and all that other stuff. Like I think right now everyone hates the MCU. (laughs) Like everyone just thinks it's awful and that Disney is corrupt and taking over everything and which a lot of those critiques are valid, Mm -hmm. but it's also interesting to hear it from someone's perspective who really valued these movies who were watching Iron Man the first one in theaters like it's nice to hear someone have a maybe a more nuanced deeper appreciation for the films and like what they meant overall before it became this like mammoth thing that kind of took over our theaters and stuff but yeah and just to see like how impressive it was to have stories have movies that were so interconnected that you can watch them like you were watching a TV series and that you would be so invested in the characters that you wanted to know what would happen in a movie that was not even in production yet, and that would be coming out three years from now. Like, that was really interesting to see. Because I felt the same way about Game of Thrones, but it's interesting to see it from the MCU perspective. And I really did enjoy those first couple of phases. I thought they were really good. Yeah. Um, they're struggling a little bit now, but we'll see what happens with Ant-Man. But... um. I still have faith that they're gonna turn things around. I'm still a believer.
1: So, I mean, I, and I think at uh, the point for the MCU is to, like the point of there's like a bell curve. Like you're, 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 I would say like Infinity War. So that was that that peak, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're now on that downward slope. Hopefully, I mean, of course, you got Jonathan Majors uh, as Kang. Everybody's hyped up looking for that. But it is like looking back as a as a kid. I remember being in elementary school. You know, Blade is coming out, and like you know, me and my friends. Like I, I, I well, had a kid named Lewis would always like he always quote Blade. Like we'd mm-hmm. be running or running in like a classroom or whatever. Like I'm gonna get you, Frost, and like is You got this little white kid trying to be mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes, which is which is hilarious when you look back at it. That's what but, but that that growth from you know. That's one thing I wish people would actually give Leslie Slipes and those Blake movies to do because without them laying the groundwork, it wouldn't have let you know Spider Man, it wouldn't have led to Incredible Hulk, it wouldn't let Iron Man, it wouldn't let to the MCU in its entirety. But uh, like and as a whole, the MCU honestly was kind of a risk because at the time, you know, the reason why we had Spider Man movies coming out and why we had Incredible Hulk movies coming out that weren't made by you know, Marvel or like they have hey. now with Disney was because mm-hmm. at the time Marvel comics weren't selling. Like, mm-hmm. DC was selling DC comics and superheroes were books falling off the bookshelves. DC already had their foothold in cinema with most Batman, movies. but Marvel was like, "Look, we're we're treading water." They sold all their properties, and so for them to take a risk and say like, "Oh, we sold X Men to Fox. We can't make X Men." Sony has Spider Man. Universal has The Incredible Hulk, and at those at the time, those are like your big four, like your mm. biggest draws. And so they kind of like we're gonna take a gamble. We're gonna make an Iron Man movie because Iron Man was known, but he wasn't known to the point where he is now. And they kind of did repeat that same step again, more so with Guardian of the Galaxy. I think they missed the mark a bit with Captain Marvel, but they hit it perfectly with uh with um Guardians of the Galaxy, where they got the right director and the right people involved to actually take it like. Guardians of the Galaxy came up with it well, with his own video game. Like if mm-hmm. you asked her like 15 years ago as a kid, like, hey, you know who the Guardians of the Galaxy are? I was like, no, I don't know who the hell they are. Like you try and make me buy that game, I wouldn't be into it. But it just goes through how Marvel kind of, as much as we knock knock them, their marketing and how they do an excellent job of pushing even their unknown heroes into the limelight in a way that no other company has been able to catch up since.
0: No, for real. Like, that's the biggest takeaway I got from it. It was just in terms of, like, how they marketed these movies. Crazy. Like, that's a... Someone needs to teach a masterclass in that. Like, that was so good. Like, the way... Because I was getting chills watching it. And I already know who's playing in the films. Like, I've already seen these films. But still, like, every time they would announce a new person, like... Oh, and announce a new movie. It's like this built up excitement. And I was like, whoa, why am I getting so emotional about this? This is so weird. But it's like, I think that's how I feel about this universe overall, is that like, even though it is kind of like a cash cow, like we are just going to keep pumping out stuff and... I don't like what it turned into but i do yeah. think that all of the puzzle pieces were there originally because first of all these movies made an obscene amount of money like breaking records and every left right and center like these people i think robert downey jr was getting paid mil like 50 million at keep increasing that over years yeah. um like Pocketing money, they did talk about a lot of the scandals, a lot of the reasons that people left. You know why people weren't getting paid sufficiently. Um, so it's not like Marvel is all good. I'm not even saying that at all. I'm just saying, like, in terms of how they really like connected with audiences and got them to buy in to what they were doing, that's pretty skillful. Like Kevin Foggy's onto something because, you know. I don't know, the way that they were just like giving it to the girls and to the boys, like just making everything feel so important. Like you had to be in the theater. I remember I had things to do on the day that Avenger Infinity War came out and I didn't do it. I went to the movie theaters and I watched that movie. Like, (laughs) and I did not care. Like, I cared zero. Like, that's how much I cared. I didn't care at all. I was like, I'm i'm not about to let this be spoiled on twitter like i'm going to the movie there and i'm gonna watch it so having it be like moments like events like you had to be a part of it like that's really again that's a skill that's a really impressive thing to pull
1: off more than once like that's pretty cool yeah looking looking back at marvel in its entirety now like the gamble of i think the biggest gamble was we're gonna make iron man we're gonna mm-hmm. cast robert Downey jr like, and at that time, Robert Downey Jr. was like just getting out of, you know, the issues he had. He had just got done doing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with like, uh, Shane Black, which was kind of like once again, if you love the uh was it? The Good Guys? The Good Guys? It's good guys. Yeah. Yeah, and um same director. If you love that movie, go watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Amazing movie. Val Kimmer is one of Val Kimmer's last roles before his issues with cancer in his throat. Watch that movie. Amazing movie. Coming off that, Robert Downey Jr.'s issues and they say we're gonna make Robert Downey Jr. is gonna carry Marvel on his back and lead us into box office dominance everybody's like what That that don't work to the point where Robert Downey Jr. for just off Marvel movies and the contract they knew his value to Marvel it was like he could go back and renegotiate anytime they wanted and they made him the highest paid actor in Hollywood just off six movies like it wasn't like he was acting on doing a bunch of other stuff and building up so like no oh you're I'm not acting he's like he wouldn't act he'd just do like probably one or like the like the two Sherlock Holmes movies in between the Marvel movies and mm-hmm. then drop a Thunder." there but he was like oh Disney you want me on set let's renegotiate I need more money mm-hmm. and Disney was like well shit now we gotta do it even mm-hmm. for the show for the small times he did in the Iron the Spider-Man movies have to show up money to get him so it's 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 impressive but then in retrospect you had god who who's and who comes out saying she was even though she wasn't like a linchpin you know character as far as having a solo project she was drastically underpaid even though she was a key key part of you know the avengers so well that's
0: it from us this week we hope you take it you're taking care of yourselves and having a great week make sure to check out all of our social media support us if you can and we'll see you in the next episode goodbye
1: au revoir